Good evening, everyone, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is my best pal, Noelle Schmidt. Yeah, we host a show called High Spirits in which we drink alcohol and we talk about ghosts. Those are correct things. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Tis the season for ghosting, but it's always the season for ghosting. Uh, Noelle, tis also the season for boozing. Who you be boozing? Uh, I be boozing Boda Box Cabernet. Boda Box, it's wine in a box. Your best friend during quarantine. Uh Uh-huh. Me, I'm drinking uh, (laughs) Coors Light from uh, the beautiful uh, Coors Mountain in Coors, Colorado in Coors America. It is uh, making America Coors again. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Um, So... I saw a commercial yesterday on the television. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Was it was it to soft piano music in these uncertain times? Actually, no. It was a chorus commercial. Oh. And I don't have all of the facts, so I'm going to get this completely wrong. But I feel like the gist is that you can write to chorus about your friend and provide their information, and chorus will gift the friend um, a six pack of chorus. That's all. For all of my information? Yeah. They're just not finding it. I should at least get like four Amazon gift cards. Here's the, right? And here's the thing. <laughs> they, want my, they want my address. They're giving you $5, basically. They should just yeah, give that's... $5. Um, well, here's the other thing. Your friend, like, is giving consent for you. Yeah. Like, here's my friend's address and all of their personal information. Yeah, I don't know that I'd love that. Uh, don't do that for me. I know I won't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> first I was like, that's a fun idea. And then I was like, wait a minute. Wait a tick. Hold I'm on. Giving away someone's whole identity for $5. There's got to be a thing. Now we're going to totally go down this rabbit hole. Uh, but there's got to be a, like, a checkbox or something to like confirm that like you're okay to give this information out. Yeah, I mean... We're I mean, it, it's Miller Coors. I'm sure their legal team is very firm and mighty. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure they're yeah. constantly talking about liabilities, etc. Um, and alcohol, right? Yeah, yeah. Drink responsibly, everybody, and everybody listening to this. Please be more responsible. Stop blacking out while you listen to this. <laughs> about this is that this is a podcast and it is infinite so you can always rewind and go back that's you know what that is true that is true I used to um I used to listen on the train when I rode the train which I hope to return to someday again in this (laughs) um but I would like kind of I would either doze off or just zone out and I would be listening to a podcast you do that like and you lose like two minutes you have no idea what they're saying I don't do that, but I have seen you do that. We were on a flight somewhere together and you fell asleep listening to uh, something and you woke up and you're like, man, I fell asleep. And I was like, I was extremely envious of you, but you wanted to have a listen. Yeah. I have to go back 15 seconds, a thousand to get to. So you can always rewind if you miss anything we say, because every word we say is extremely valuable and important. Sure. Counterpoint, you can always fast forward. (laughs) You know, right? (laughs) Like, you've got so many options. Don't even get me started on the pause button. We'll be here all night. Oh, 
Yeah. Well, I think you have a story to tell. I do. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're uh, tonight, I am going to be talking about <clears throat> James Dean. Ooh, excellent. Yeah. I'm going to be talking about uh, James Dean and the ghosts of. I love it. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know who James Dean was, don't worry. We got like some information here for you, so we'll go. Ahead, I'll go ahead and uh, spill that out to you, so you can uh, later on be like, "Ooh, those ghosts are neat." We're talking about just to be sure. We're talking about the porn star, right? Uh, no. Um, although I get that. Uh, no, we're talking about James Dean, <laughs> the Hollywood star that died in 1955. Not star. Not James Dean of the Canyons with Miss Lindsay Lohan. Thank you. Thank you so much for continuing. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're welcome. James Dean, uh, allegedly, no reason to disbelieve, has a giant wang. He's also been uh, accused of um, having too rough of intercourse with his co-stars. Yeah. So I think he's been a little blackballed. But apparently he has a really great cooking show. Um, okay. <laughs> we may cut all of this out later. <laughs> I mean, we won't, but... um i have a friend who was a big fan of his cooking show you know what why not ina garten exists there's no reason to listen at some you know some big wang to do talk about his (laughs) recipes just put on the barefoot contessa let it go (laughs) i do love her she's great she'll take you to a firehouse where's james dean gonna take you to the chateau marmont to rough you up come on I've been there, and I don't need to go with him. That's right. <laughs> but speaking of James Dean, let's talk about the uh, heartthrob from the 1950s who yeah. died far too young. He died at 24 years old. That's crazy. I thought he was much older. Oh, and for his fame, you think he would have done uh, so much more. But he uh, was born on February 8th, 1931, and he died on September 30th, 1955. That's mm-hmm. nuts. It is nuts. Um, We'll talk about this a little later on, but uh, part of the reason for his uh, post-death fame is he died so young. So he gave a lot of people uh, a lot of, I don't know, their own dreams for him. Everything I read and have read prior to this was basically like, we wanted to see what he would do. We wanted to see what he would do. So um, there is a reason why... uh, you know, celebrities that die really, really young capture the imagination because it's just like an unfinished story, like Amy Winehouse or like River, River Phoenix. Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like River Phoenix kept popping in my head, or Corey, yeah. except that he lived longer. Who? Corey Haim. Oh yeah, poor Corey so Haim. So yeah, oh, very tragic story. Yes. All right. Please tell me all about James Dean. I'm very excited. Yeah, I will. Uh, He was born James Bryan Dean uh, in Marion, Indiana. He was an only child. Um, His family moved to Santa Monica, California, when his dad gave up farming um, and decided to take up being a dental technician. Okay. Yeah. What'd you say? L.A., here we come. L.A., here we come. Got to work on those teethuses. Right. (laughs) Um, so yeah, everything was looking all Hollywood except for, uh, 
James Dean's mother uh, died of uterine cancer when he was nine years old. And um, according to most reportage, he uh, was just like really left uh, kind of brokenhearted and on his own. Like he, he just really felt like she was the one anchor in his life and it kind of, kind of fucked him up. Um, additionally, uh, his dad decided that he was unable to take care of James. Oh no. And so, yeah. So he sent him back, um, sent him to live with his aunt and uncle, uh, on their farm in Fairmount, Indiana. Um, and there he was raised in a uh, Quaker household. Oh man. So he went from the, um, bright lights of Hollywood and the dental technician world back to the farmland and Quaker life of Indiana. Yeah. He boomeranged super duper fast. So, and this is like over the course of a few years? Um, I would say like a few years. Um, I don't know the exact time span, but, uh, they, I think went out there when he was in elementary school. So she died when he was nine. So maybe he was only out there for like two or three years. Mm -hmm. Um, Later, Dean's father served in uh, World War II, and he was remarried. <clears throat> so we'll actually see them again in uh, just a moment. But uh, at this point, <clears throat> when James Dean is a teen, he's living in Fairmount, Indiana, and uh, he had an extremely tight relationship with a local Methodist pastor. This is the Reverend James DeWeird, D-E capital W-E-E-R-D. Be very easy to make a little joke about how his name sounds like DeWeird. Uh, it I is DeWeird. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just want to spell out for you. Anyway, um, they spent a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time together. Uh, the rumor had it around town that they were lovers. <laughs> I kind of picked that up because you were yeah. laying down some well, breadcrumbs. Right. Here's something, though, that I did not know before this episode um, is this is kind of was thought of as like his first like love affair, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but maybe it wasn't a really great relationship. Dean allegedly once confided in Elizabeth Taylor that he was actually sexually abused by this minister. And before they became like boyfriends later on in his teens, uh, he said that um, it started fairly early when he got back to Indiana. So he probably was only like 11 or 12 years old. So this is like um, <clears throat> an MJ situation almost where he was. Yeah. Like, kind of like a grooming yeah. deal. Like a sad little boy was like, you know, I'm, I'm sad. My mom's dead. And yeah. then they had this real great hangout relationship. Anyway, so that certainly had an effect on. Was the, did the minister, um, sorry, you said it was a Methodist minister, right? Yeah. Okay. So did the minister have a family as well? Do you know? You know, I didn't, I didn't much look into him. I would imagine. I mean, it's, uh, at this point it's the 1940s in right. Indiana. I don't think there's any way that you could not go through the motions. Uh-huh. Or you'd be so, funny. What'd you say? You'd be that funny fella. He's a little funny. Yeah, at best. Right. Um, at worst, you'd be, you know, dragged around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Dean's overall performance in school was really great. He was a really popular student. He was in all the clubs. Uh, people really liked him. Uh, so after graduating from Fairmont High School in uh, 1949, he moved back to California. And he then lived with his father and stepmother. Okay. James Dean studied at UCLA, uh, but in 1951, he dropped out. He wanted to pursue a full-time career as an actor. Okay. Um, while he was struggling to gain roles, uh, he also worked as a parking lot attendant at CBS. Uh, during this time, he met Rogers Brackett, who was a radio director for an advertising agency, who started to offer him professional help and guidance uh, as well as a place to stay. So James Dean didn't uh, decided no longer to live with his uh, father and stepmother, but he moved in with uh, an older gentleman in Hollywood who was going to help him. It's funny because professional help means something so different today. So <laughs> yeah, what's it mean? Well, I, I, no, I'm not a bad thing. Like I'm associating it with like mental health care. Like you should get some professional oh. So at first I was like, what's he doing for him? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's insinuated that there was a exchange. I understand now. I, you know, I'm just trying to like bring innocence to the story. <laughs> I don't know if I need to like pull out my diagrams or if you're just horsing around. I don't know what's happening to me right now. If this is, yeah, let's keep going. I'm going to try to bring it down. Yeah. Well, you know, it turns out, um, uh, Rogers Brackett did have some advice for James Dean. Um, he told him that he should go to New York city. Um, New York city, New York city, uh, New York city, um, was sort of like the, if you want to be serious Mecca for actors, you know, to anybody can be cute, but if you really wanted to like learn the method Mm -hmm. uh, and get good at your craft, you were going to go to New York City. So uh, James Dean worked uh, odd jobs in showbiz. He worked like as a stuntman. He did a whole bunch of like stuff. But his main deal was that he attended the actor's studio so he could study under Lee Strasberg. Oh, wow. Okay. So mm -hmm. he's like 19 years old right now, 19, 20 years old, probably. Let's see. Uh, it was 1951 and he was born in 1931. Yeah. So he's 20 years old. Okay. And, uh, you know, really ensconced in that uh, acting world. Um, so he started off doing um, commercials and television work, but very quickly he moved into films. And just a quick piece of trivia, uh, his first commercial was for Pepsi. Okay. Yeah. Um, around for that long. I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. kidding. It's been around. Oh. <laughs> Um, big movies that uh, James Dean is known for, they're like the big three. They all came out in 1959 slash 1956. East of Eden, Rebel Without a Cause, and Giant. Uh, Giant was uh, James Dean's last film. In fact, um, in the film Giant, uh, Dean was supposed to make this big <laughs> drunken speech at a banquet. Um, and I already said that he was a method actor, right? So mm -hmm. he wanted to make the scene more realistic by being drunk uh, for the take. 
What they didn't necessarily realize at the time is Dean mumbled so much that the director, who was George Stevens, was like, we can't use this. Like, we can't understand any of it. But James Dean died uh, before, obviously, they could reshoot or loop. So they actually had one of the other actors on the film just dub over all of the dialogue that uh, James Dean had done. Wow. So visual footage is James Dean. Audio footage is somebody else. Good to know. Uh, After his death, Dean became the first actor to receive a uh, posthumous Academy Award nomination for Best Actor for his role in Giant. He received an award for his role where they dubbed over him. Yeah. For the entire movie. So it was... No, 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 not the entire movie. Well, just that drunk scene. Just that drunk scene. Okay, okay. That makes it a little bit better. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, because of his physical movements or because they felt bad that he died, like, but that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. It was just that one scene. Okay. Um. So James Dean's... I'm going to talk just a little bit about his love life because it's interesting. Um, early in Dean's career, uh, after Dean signed a contract with Warner Brothers, the studio's public relations department began generating stories about Dean's liaisons with a variety of young actresses. Um, I just like this list because it's amusing. Studio press releases also grouped together James Dean with two other actors, Rock Hudson and Tab Hunter, identifying each of the men as an eligible bachelor. I was going to ask when Rock Hudson came into the picture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so good. That's mm-hmm. so good. It's like, it's like, um, who would we compare that to? Like today's Tom Cruise. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tab Hunter has quite an excellent uh, autobiography. I think it's, I think it's called Confidential. Uh, it's really good. Mm-hmm. I think I've um, seen that at your home. Like, yeah. is, it, is it him? I, or maybe I'm confusing it with the Rock Hudson book where, like, he's, like, in the pool and, like, half of his body's out of the water. Is that Tab Hunter or Rock Hudson? It's uh, Tab Hunter. I do not own okay. a Rock Hudson book. Okay. So I've seen it. But they have a, they, they had, like, a similar thing um, where they, they both have those <clears throat> really silly names, Rock Hudson, Tab Hunter. Um, they have the <laughs> same manager who was just constantly naming men these ridiculous masculine things. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor is back in this little story just because she has so much tea. She's basically Lipton. She just is in there all the time. Where Um, where hasn't she been? Yeah, right? Uh, But they were really good friends. And she, uh, you know, publicly or like public slash private, James Dean was at least bisexual, but Elizabeth Taylor was like, yeah, he was gay. Um, And when she said it, I think it shocked a lot of people in a way that she hadn't really intended it to. Do you think that Liz Taylor was either the nicest person ever or the coolest person ever? Because I feel like she was best friends with everybody. Everybody, Montgomery Clift too. Yeah, like, yeah, like she was big time friends with Montgomery Clift. Like. I'm fascinated by her. And it's just amazing, like, because she literally has been everywhere and has touched so many until, I don't know, just throwing that one out there. I feel like she's probably a super nice, or was a super nice lady. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think you probably have, would have to get her on the right day. She, I've also read several books on her. Um, she was married about eight times, and right. you know, she's had a really tumultuous life. So I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I think you had to get her on the right day, and I think one of the reasons why she had such really good friendships with gay men is that they took the pressure off of her to sort of be this thing like mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. this you're totally sexy. right. Yeah. You're totally and right. So I think she really reveled in uh, the company of men and um, certainly the, the list of men that she kept as her confidants and best friends uh, definitely took a lot of that performative female pressure off of her. Right. Well, and she started at such a young age too. Like she was always in the spotlight. So I'm, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. We needed to talk through that one. <laughs> uh, James Dean, however, um, also had a lot of relationships with women. Um, there's scuttlebutt that many of it, much of it was just PR. And some people actually were like, maybe, maybe not. Um, but he's best remembered for his relationship with a young Italian actress named Pier Angeli. Um, he met her in 1954, so one year before he died. Um, <clears throat> now, people who thought that they were in love uh, claimed two things kept them apart. Uh, Angeli's mother disapproved of Dean. He wasn't Catholic. He was way too cool. And she just thought that he was bad news for her daughter. Uh, and then the studio also disapproved of Dean. They didn't want him marrying an Italian woman <laughs> because, you know, the studio system. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So after finishing his role in East of Eden, uh, James Dean took a brief trip to New York. Uh, and while he's a, while he was away, uh, Pier and Jelly unexpectedly announced her engagement to Italian-American singer Vic Damone. So the press was shocked and James Dean to the press, like expressed like how fucking annoyed he was. He was very irritated by this uh, and thought it was really embarrassing. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And Gelly married Damone the following month. Um, Gossip columnists at the time reported that Dean watched the wedding from across the road on his motorcycle and that he gunned the engine during the ceremony. I have this awesome image of him doing that in my mind, and it's the best. Yeah. It also reminds me a lot of, um, shoot, you're going to, what's his name? The boyfriend in Twin Peaks who rides the motorcycle. Um, Laura's boyfriend. Who then? Uh, it's with Laura Flynn Boyle. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't remember because there's the hot one with brown hair and then there's the guy I don't like as much with the blonde hair. It's the brown hair one who rides the motorcycle. Does he ride a motorcycle? I think the blonde one rides a motorcycle. I don't know. I don't even remember. Yeah. But the motorcycle guy who get is super pouty and emotional. And I just have like that image of him. Yeah outside oh that's perfect that's wonderful mm-hmm. <laughs> um now in 1954 james dean becomes really interested in developing an auto racing career um he purchases uh various vehicles um one is a triumph tiger t110 
I don't really know that much about like cars. So that could be T110. I apologize if you're listening and you're like, dude, you don't know. I don't really know. Um, he also had a Porsche 356. Okay. Um, he competed in his first professional event at the Palm Springs Road Races. And uh, he actually achieved first place in the novice class. Okay, so I need to, I had to look this up just to confirm that yeah. was, the Triumph Tiger is a motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. And then the Porsche is a car. And then the Porsche is a car, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I said two vehicles, but yeah. Um, yeah, so his Triumph was the, uh, the hog. <laughs> his Porsche was the car. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of like a little motorbike. It almost is like a, it's a small, it's a small motorcycle. Yeah, so he was like developing this like need for speed. He loved racing and he yeah. was really good at it. Um, well, for the short time that he did it. <laughs> um, he raced in Bakersfield um, after the Palm Springs road races. And he actually finished first in his class and third overall. Um, and he actually hoped to compete in the Indianapolis 500, but yeah, he was super into it, but, um, Warner brothers told him he couldn't race cars anymore and they barred him from racing during the production of giants. Uh, this makes sense. You probably don't want your lead actor, uh, you know, um, driving around in real fast cars. Sure, and they probably had a pretty hefty uh, insurance claim or, or insurance policy put out on him as well that they were paying into. Yeah, for sure. So they were uh, not super jazzed about Your uh, Jimmy Dean going around in fast cars. Well, guys, um, he did go around in fast cars, and in fact, uh, that was the accident that killed him. So... Just like Tracy Chapman. <laughs> yes, they have so much in common. <laughs> they were both best friends with Elizabeth Taylor. She drives a fast car. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> leave today or we die this way. All right. Um, the intersection of State Route 46 and State Route 41 it, uh, was renamed the James Dean Memorial Junction. So uh, that's where he died, the intersection of State Route 46 and State Route uh, 41. Um, and this, when he got in an accident, he was actually driving a Porsche 550 Spider. Um, and he was uh, on his way to the Salinas Road Race event that was scheduled for October 1st. Um, so remember, he died September 30th. <clears throat> Uh, as he traveled to the event, Dean accidentally slammed into the passenger side of a Ford, and uh, this resulted in Dean's car bouncing across the pavement onto the side of the highway. He was trapped in the car and sustained numerous fatal injuries, including a broken neck. Uh, the driver of the Ford exited his damaged vehicle with only minor injuries. The accident was witnessed by uh, a good deal of passerby who stopped to help. So that's how he died. Um, I don't have this in my notes, but something interesting too. Uh, the guy who he got in a um, car accident with was uh, a college student. And um, actually 
uh, he he was de- declared of all fault by a judge after all of this, um, from all the information and from all the witnesses, etc., <clears throat> and testimony. The uh, the um, judge declared that uh, it was solely uh, James Dean's uh, fault for the accident. Okay. Um, so uh, just a few things that like, I think I talked about this at the top of the show, but so James Dean died at 24 and, and that's part of the reason why he's still so famous. Um, one of his fans, uh, wrote, he represents eternal youth. If James Dean had lived, he wouldn't be the icon he is. He'd just be an old guy. So there's that. He could also have gone the way of like Robert Redford or like, I feel like they probably have a similar, like would have had a similar career path maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. He was also contemporaries with uh, Marlon Brando. They were often compared to each other. So they probably could have like pulled off that same, like a very similar career there too. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I subscribe to that totally, but the, you know, because it seemed like he was more into just like, like he wasn't getting himself in trouble like a lot of other young people that, or a lot of other celebrities that die young because they're too much into drugs. He just liked to drive fast, which also- Which is trouble. Yeah. I mean, he he yeah. got himself in a lot of trouble. Right. Um, you know, he drank a lot, caroused a lot. <laughs> I take back everything I say. Um, no, no, no. I mean, you know, certainly, certainly the mythology doesn't run around, you know, all, all of the other things. She's, it's, um, but yeah, he, he was a pretty reckless guy. Uh, Bruce Austin, um, of the Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, he, he runs the, uh, university's department of communications. Anyway, it, this isn't about him, but, uh, meeting Bruce Austin, but, Basically, like his theory is that the movies that James Dean made made perfect sense to the generation that was coming of age. Like in these iconic roles, there were just three of them. He was playing like these like outcasts, kind of loners, uh, um, not really quite sure where they fit in or how they fit in or if they wanted to fit in. And this just really resonated in youth culture. It was just like, it was, it was a big deal. Uh, and then the other thing that Bruce Austin said, and I think that this is a, this is a really interesting point, uh, quote, Dean was a remarkably good looking actor who was a good actor. Um, which, you know, even nowadays, um, that can't always be said, like, like extremely good looking people may not have the skills to be a good actor. And so when both of those things click, it's a, it's a pretty, um, it's noticeable to people. So that there's a lot of like, you know, ideas of like, oh, if only he had a chance, what could he have done? Totally. I mean, not to mention just that his cool attitude uh, influenced so many people. His style influenced so many people. His style, his hair. Yeah, so much. And it continues to this day, which is, like you, I'm a big um, psycho Billy fan, as you know, and like that whole genre is that look. 
And I'm yeah. not going to inspire that entire genre because we could go back to all the musicians and everything. But like that style is still very influential today. Yeah. And the other side note, too, is that he really resonated with men, boys, mm-hmm. yep. um, oftentimes, um, especially during that era, like a really hot guy didn't necessarily like didn't resonate, but it was the attitude. It was kind of like. I mean, like, oh, he's he's for us. He's not just for women to kind of lust after girls to think he's so cute. It was like this star was kind of for the guys. Exactly. Like, look at um, Luke Perry in 90210. Like, Mm -hmm. that character was basically modeled from James Dean. And, like, in the 90s, that translated over very well. And, like, Luke Perry was able to make a career out of it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, Luke Perry really, uh, and a lot of guys did. Uh, Jack Nicholson kind of took it on. Um, uh, Christian Slater kind of took it on. And then you had, like, Luke Perry. I mean, they're always compared to each other in terms of that, like, brooding, low-voiced. Right. Well, and Christian Slater was actually influenced by Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And, like, a huge Jack Nicholson fan and trying to emulate him and Heather's and other things that he's done. So it's really interesting to see that like kind of trickle down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the, the every man anti-hero who doesn't really do like <laughs> bad things. He just doesn't do the right thing. Right. We love that guy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start talking about these ghosts. Um, Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, of course. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Um, so those were his three big movies, but like how many movies, do you know how many movies he had like total under his belt? I can also look this up. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, he did like, that's it. Wow. He did commercials and he did um, like stop work and extra parts, but those were like, those were like movies that you can see like the yeah. title and then James Dean comes close to the title. Everything else would be like very hard to find. Background actor. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so the crash site is allegedly haunted. Um, the area where the crash occurred uh, is visited by a hitchhiking James Dean. Who <laughs> disappear when people pick him up. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Porsche that he was driving is sometimes seen uh, cruising around the highway near the event as well, near the accident site. Is it still um, causing accidents? What did you say? Is it still causing accidents? You know what? It will come up, and it was. Because, dude, if we were driving down the road and we saw a ghost car, yeah. I would surely drive into a pole or something. How would you know? Would it be wearing, like, a white sheet? <laughs> then I would know it was a ghost if it's not. Yeah, then you know it's a ghost. Hovering, obviously. Hovering, yeah, and making this noise. <laughs> I'm a ghost car. Yeah, otherwise I'd just be like, uh, it's a it's a Ford Fiesta. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they drive and look. Yeah. <laughs> like Pac-Man. <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> there was a mechanic in the car with him at the time of the accident. And uh, I, I didn't write down his name, but he was a German mechanic. Um, and he actually survived the accident that killed James Dean. But there's a lot of stuff about things being cursed around the accident. Um, 
And so this guy um, actually tried to kill himself a number of times, um, but he wasn't successful in doing that. Um, he did, however, stab his wife 14 times. What? Yeah. Um, yeah, so the dude who, who survived the accident uh, had a lot of issues after the accident. Uh, he died... The German mechanic died in 1981 in a drunk driving accident. So there's that. It's a long time. It's, it's a very long time. Yeah. He, uh, I lived that accident by what? 25 years, 26 okay. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this car. So James, Dean, James Dean had this, uh, spider, um, post accident, several parts from the spider were salvageable and placed in other cars the engine, transmission, and tires. All the cars that received parts from the spider were later involved in terrible or deadly accidents. All of them? Uh, yeah, all of them. <laughs> Each and every one of them. Same. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're talking about like rinky-dink, like headlights and shit, but the engine, transmission, and tires were all involved in subsequent accidents. This is they probably just, they were damaged, dude. They probably shouldn't have put them back on the road. <laughs> That's probably the truth. Or, or it's or some crazy Indianan, Indianan? Is that a word? Indianan Methodist curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when the car was initially brought into the shop of the new owner, so this dude named George Barris, bought the spider. It rolled off the back of the truck and it crushed his legs. What? Yeah. George, no, that's horrible. Yeah. Um, later, the car was being used as an educational piece about driving safety. And on a trip to one event, the truck transporting the spider went off the road and killed a driver. Holy shit. But wait, there's more. This is like some Christine type shit. This is some, yeah. Yeah. Guys. Or that one movie where like the serial killer's hand goes on the, he gets like a hand transplant. Body parts? Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> that movie was banned in so many states, or so like they, they delayed the release of it in the US and it was banned in so many countries. It's really not that bad of a movie, you guys. Ah. Uh, but they didn't. Uh, but, now, I'm sorry, but the reason they did that was because it was around the time that was released um, around the same time that all the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff was happening. Oh, yeah. I just remembered that part. At another safety event, a teenager's hip was broken when the car's restraint chain snapped and the car fell on the teenager. Holy what? Yeah. Yeah. We got one more car story, but this spider <laughs> just, like, made the rounds in terms of its folklore. Okay, so five years after the accident, in 1960, uh, the owner, George Barris, was like, you know, fuck it, I've had enough. He decided he's going to ship the Porsche back to California for permanent retirement. So the car was loaded into a boxcar in Florida. The door was carefully sealed, but when the train arrived in L.A., the seal on the boxcar was still intact, yet the Porsche was missing. I What? So where is it? It was never seen again. 
Shut your mouth. <laughs> I won't. I, there's, I can't. I gotta, I gotta talk. It's a podcast. I know. That's fascinating. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. So, so that car be really, like took it, but we believe our stance is that it was a ghost car, and it. Oh like, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, just somebody probably took it, and <laughs> probably like. Like, hey, if you're riding the new Oceans 85, like, think about that. Think about the uh, ghost car heist uh, plot line. I'd watch it. Put Kate Blanchett in it. Mm. There's a car heist movie with Alan Alda and I want to say Ben Stiller. <laughs> um, and everything about that sounds really funny to me. Because um, what a combo. Um, and it's it's similar where the, they just kind of go and steal the car from him and it just disappears. But anyway, you just keep talking about this. This is, I'm fascinated by this. I got just a few more ghostesses. Um, James Dean is buried in Park Cemetery in Fairmont, Indiana. Uh, he was, uh, his grave was, uh, sits atop like a small hill. Uh, people claim that James Dean's ghost haunts that grave site. Okay. Uh, they, so James Dean in real life was a smoker and a legend has grown, uh, big time, um, since his, well, obviously since his death, cause it's a cemetery, but, uh, that if a visitor goes to the gravesite and they place an unlit cigarette at the headstone after dark and they leave for a little bit, they'll return to find the cigarette lit and the scent of cigarette smoke in the air. Okay. Some people have the opposite. <clears throat> well, I don't know if it's opposite, but it's a different story. Some people report that the cigarette just completely disappears. That it's just poof, vanished. Um, or has been spotted sitting on his tombstone. That's a cool guy thing to do, right? Like, eh, it's my house now. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is my plot. <laughs> this is my plot. What up? Uh, yeah. So he sits on top like a cool guy. Um, there are cold spots uh, all around the grave. Someone, and I. This is going to be one of those things that you might have a question about. I don't have any answers, but just let it sit with you. Someone supposedly stole the corpse from the grave. Oh, come on, people. Um, I, I was going to say, and I won't ask questions about that, but I, I do have a lot of questions. I about do too. That. Um, but. I think what's interesting is that because he, after his mother died, it's almost like he never had a real home. So there's kind of that cool part about him, like his, if, you know, his ghost hanging out at his grave where he's like, this is where I live now. Yeah. And this is my permanent home. I kind of yeah. like that. I dig that too. Um, also, you know how people are about graves and grave robbings and famous people. Once, some mofo took his headstone. Why? Just let this live. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Like, those grave, those gravestones, those plots, those are, they're not for you, number one. But they're for the yeah. family and they're for the loved ones. And it, those, like, they need those spaces to mourn 
their loved ones, leave it alone. Like, that's just yeah. such a dick move. It's a totally dick move. The uh, headstone that was taken, though, was returned. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for everybody paying attention and everybody listening and anyone who is halfway decent, don't steal from cemeteries. Please stop that. Yeah. Um, my final thing on James Dean here is um, there is a uh, rebel without a cause curse. So... Uh, all three actors from Rebel Without a Cause had tragic deaths at a young age. Uh, Sal Minio, one of Dean's best friends, was only 37 in 1975 when he was stabbed to death in a West Hollywood alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Natalie Wood was only 43 years old when she drowned in a tragic boating accident. And Nick Adams, who played a smallish part in the movie, uh, later went on to become... Uh, Johnny Reb in a popular weekly television series called The Rebel. Um, but he died uh, at only 36 from an overdose. Okay. Yeah. So all the kids who were in that movie, imagine if like all the kids from um, uh, high school, the musical just like all died really young. That's how, that's how it felt to the people they were like, oh, or imagine if, like the whole cast of Saved by the Bell all died in a, at a really weird time. Thank you for bringing me back to something that I can reference. Because I was like, who do I know from High School Musical? <laughs> <laughs> Zach Efron is from High School Musical. He is. And others. Uh, I also would like to thank you for being so diplomatic about N- Natalie Wood's death and just reporting the news. Yes. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> We see you. Yes. <laughs> we see you, Robert Wagner. Mm-hmm. More to come on that particular topic. <laughs> um, anywho, so that is the uh, story of uh, James Dean, Hollywood icon, legend, certified hottie, uh, died at the tender age of 24. Um, probably had so much more to give. Um, instead, he gives in spades uh, legends and, uh, urban legends about, uh, what his car might be doing and his, uh, cool guy sitting on his tombstone. Oh my God. That's his car. I know. <laughs> Fucking what? weird. What? That car yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Tragically awesome. Tragically awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of tragically awesome, you've been listening to High Spirits, a show that is uh, both of those things. Um, <laughs> this show has been brought to you by Skype and also our booze companies. Noelle, who are you drinking? Uh, tonight I'm drinking our uh, quarantine's best friend, Boda Box Cabernet. Boda Box, it's wine in a box. Awesome. And I'm drinking Coors Light. It's Coors in a can and it tastes mm, good. Uh, <clears throat> Noelle has one last terrible thing to say to you sweet dreams <laughs>